0: Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. As NFT pioneers, we are tasked with exploring the Wild West of Web 3.0. It reminds me of History Class learning about Lewis and Clark as they explored the Western territories of the United States in the 1800s. There were no rest stations, Ubers, Airbnbs, or any of those luxuries that we think of when we're traveling these days. And those pioneers could either discover the most wonderful natural wonder of the world, such as the Grand Canyon, or they could be eaten by bears. Similar to Web3, it's either a one-click jackpot, such as minting a bored ape, or you could sign away everything and just lose a fortune. Because of this, many people are calling for regulations and safeguards to be put in place. However, I don't think it's so black and white. In fact, today, we're going to discuss why I believe regulation is a catch-22 in the crypto space. So last week, I was speaking to Katie, the founder of the Digital Jamaica Podcast, Blogs, and YouTube. And this season, she is focusing on Web3. We were discussing the growing pains of the space, and then this is when this conversation came up. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say there's no fraud happening, people aren't losing money. But I will say is that lack of education always leads to the loss of funds. It doesn't matter if it is the stock market, Forex, multi-level marketing, crypto, or NFTs. People that jump into these things with the hopes of making quick money without doing their full research, understanding exactly what's going on, it's almost guaranteed that they're going to lose money. Sure, they might get lucky the first time. However, luck can only take you so far. There's a saying that I love is, a fool and his money will soon part ways. So even if that person does get lucky on their first couple tries, eventually, if they keep doing that, thinking that it's a repeatable strategy, they're going to lose money. Guaranteed. So that is why people say invest in what you know. And if you don't know it, research it. And what happened in this Web3 space, a lot of the times people are just chasing the hype. They're trying to get into the next thing as to where they can make money very quickly because they hear about people making 10, 100, 1000x returns in very short periods of time. So the question is, what is a sound investment anyways? Well, first of all, in this space, there's two sections or categories that you could break things into. Something with a sound business model, they're actually building something, they have ways to monetize, they have a leadership team and something to offer the general public that is going to generate income. Well, that is in one category. The other side is entirely hype. Just whatever the people are interested in, the flavor of the day, and that is what's driving those and the value of it. So trying to understand what actually is solving a problem and what is just pure novelty, because especially in NFT space, we were seeing things that were coming out that was just literally the novelty of an NFT. It was art that was on a blockchain and it didn't matter what the plan was, what they were doing, just for the fact that it was on the blockchain, it was supposedly valuable. However, there was no plan, there was no business model, there was no community, there was literally nothing. It was people that knew how to put these contracts together and allow this art to be put up on the market in order to be linked with tokens on the blockchain. And honestly, that was pure hype. So when Gary Vee was warning the market and everyone saying that 99% of these are going to zero... A lot of people saw that as arrogance, as if he was saying that only his project was going to stand around. However, if you are someone who just looks at IPOs back in the 90s with the dot-coms, or if you looked at all of these real estate companies that popped up during the subprime mortgage era, the ICO rise when everyone was launching some new cryptocurrency that was supposed to dethrone Bitcoin... Or 2021, when everyone was just launching some animal project or some derivative of a previous collection that sold out very quickly and they were coming out with their own. And that is why so many people lost money. But now, even the most educated person that can understand all of these things could still fall victim to a technical hack or a technical fraud. And in that case, it is really human error and is not necessarily a Web3 problem. It is a people problem. And this falls in the category of whether someone is clicking on a bad link or giving away their seed phrase, that is human error. And the same thing happened in the previous iterations of the web when people were giving away their passwords or even their banking information, and no one was necessarily blaming the bank when that happened, or no one was blaming Gmail or whichever platform. It was simply the person that was committing the fraud and the victim, but in web three, Everyone seems to be blaming the industry and the technology rather than the people. The only difference is we have two, three decades of understanding that you probably should not give away your password. Or in the case of something even older than that, it's probably not a good idea to give away all of your personal information that can allow someone to steal your identity, open up bank accounts, or take out credit in your name. That's just not a good idea. However, again, that is not the case in Web3. We blame the industry, we blame the technology, and not the people. But showing you how deep these technical hacks can even go and even the most brightest, the most sophisticated person could fall victim to it over the last few weeks or so, I've been really just researching different things. As you can tell, I just love diving into whatever topic it is that I find interesting and just going down that rabbit hole and then just trying to figure out as much as I possibly can. Well, I discovered all sorts of technical hacks and how people are doing these different things and social engineering in order to get themselves into different accounts and how they operate in order to do all of those wrongdoings that We have seen and this is honestly nothing new and one of the things that really stuck out to me was very interesting as to how this actually went down is we had this massively secure system that was breached and whether it is an inside job or just pure human error that is how it went down. So this thing was called Stuxnet. I'm just going to give you a brief overview. It really has nothing to do with Web3 per se, but just showing you how something could have the most sophisticated secure system and it could still fail because of human intervention or human involvement. Well, Stuxnet was this... Computer virus for simple terms that spread across the globe. And the majority of it was in Iran. They were trying to get into their computer systems and really derail their nuclear program. Well, anyways, the system that was running their nuclear program, it was not connected to the Internet and it was very secure. It was in a remote location in the middle of the desert. And in order to get that done, this virus had to be manually planted onto the devices that were on that network and connected into it. Well, what they actually ended up doing was having it spread all through the country. It was on all sorts of devices. It was on thumb drives. It was on cell phones. It was in printers. It was literally just all over the country. And eventually it got onto a thumb drive where someone connected it to one of those computers. And then that's how it was able to get onto that network. It was nowhere else to be connected to the internet. Or the outside world. So, someone literally had to have an infected device that connected to it in order for this thing to work. And it took years for it to happen, but guess what? It eventually did. So, now this might sound absolutely crazy, and you might be wondering, what does that have to do with anything? Well, this is a secure system protecting nuclear hardware, which is something that is, you know, very valuable and dangerous. So, it was completely off the grid, off of any kind of outside intervention, except the people came and went. And when this person came into the facility, he or she brought this virus with them and connected it to this offline system and it was breached. And in case that is just a far fetched idea, well let's take it a little bit back more to the tech world. Something very simple. We're not talking about government secrets and nuclear programs and computers. All right. When recently the MetaQuest goggles, they were leaked. That was their new headset that they're going to use for the VR, especially in the metaverse and all of those things that they were working on. Well One of their employees left the demo or the prototype in the hotel room, and guess what? It was able to be leaked. Photos and everything was put out on the internet, and that was all because of human error. One of their employees that was carrying the demo left it behind. And this sort of thing happens all the time. You hear about NFL players leaving their playbooks, or you hear about product leaks, studio scripts, and all sorts of different things, even demos for albums. That has been happening since I've been in high school. They have the rough draft of an album or whatever it might be and ends up being leaked, ended up on LimeWire all over the place. Well, that is nothing new. And that is human error. People leaving things behind, leaving the door open for people to do wrong with that information once it is available. So that is where the argument comes in. Well, regulation should protect consumers from these things happening. Well, in theory. But let's just take a look at this. The SEC, which is probably the one that's taking the most active, most loud role, and that is the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. They were established in 1934. However, it's almost like clockwork. Every 10 years, there is some major financial fraud within the stock market probably the most recent one that is very notable was the Bernie Madoff scandal with all of those billions of dollars of funds being lost and that was probably the most recent massive one so honestly I think we're probably even overdue but I just use that as an example to show you that this is an agency that has been regulating since 1934 yet fraud still happens and pretty much in every single one of these cases where those frauds happen on Wall Street with the Securities and Exchange Commission however it slips past the cracks not pointing any blame or anything it's usually because someone was trying to make larger than average returns and might not have done their diligence and research as they otherwise would in order to get those returns and then that is how the public generally gets opened up to these frauds and ends up losing massive amounts of money grossly oversimplifying it but that's pretty much the general trend But here's the thing. As I opened up by saying with the whole thing with the SEC, that is a U.S. agency. So these regulatory bodies has a local jurisdiction. Now, granted, the SEC is saying that ETH falls under their jurisdiction. I did a complete episode of that so you can listen to episode number 324, which I did shortly after the SEC claimed full jurisdiction of the Ethereum blockchain. And that goes deeper into that. But how exactly does that work? Let's just say that this transaction, which is in question, whatever it be, a fraud or some sort of rug pull in NFTs, whatever, is between two parties. And one of the parties is from Asia. One of the parties is from Africa. And the transaction was processed by a node or computers, basically, in Australia. So we have three different continents, three different parties, three different countries, three different jurisdictions. How does the SEC have jurisdiction over that? Well, technically, it doesn't. The claim for the SEC is because a lot of the processing is happening in stateside. However, in that example, which is very real, it could happen. And that sort of thing happens literally not just every day, but every minute. So how is that going to be regulated? And in order to do that, all countries would have to coordinate and be on the same page. And through history, if you even look at Switzerland, why Switzerland is such a major banking power, it's because they don't necessarily cooperate with the financial institutions globally. And it is just a place to, quote unquote, hide a lot of wealth and so forth. So even if one country holds out and decides not to play ball, not to cooperate, it technically cannot be done. And by nature, crypto is decentralized, right? So these things are spread out all over the globe. And that's the difference between a CBDC, which is a central bank digital currency, and a cryptocurrency. A central bank digital currency has a central bank, as the name implies. So it is centrally controlled, centrally regulated, all those rules. It could be tracked, it could be censored. People could be locked out of the system. They could be fined, all sorts of different things. Very simple, because everything is centrally controlled. All of these things are much easier to tie to an individual. But this is where I think capitalism really comes in and has its time to shine more so than regulation. Because there is always going to be fraud in any area where something has value. It doesn't matter if it is gold, which has literally been counterfeited and sold since the beginning of time, or it could be cash, paintings, you name it. If it has value, it can be counterfeited and there could be fraud. But Did you ever stop to think that the number one area of fraud is actually in cash? Think about it. I mean, all the movies, what usually happens? Do they do ransom notes and ask for a check? They get bags of cash delivered because, yes, although there are serial numbers, cash is pretty much untraceable. Ransoms are not collected in Bitcoin and other forms of currency that could be tracked very easily. Now, this could be up for the debate. There's like a whole theory as to uh, some of those ransom notes that were left a couple of years ago with like the pipeline being hijacked and so forth. And then they demand a payment in Bitcoin, which, uh, you know, opens up a whole nother realm of conspiracies and what have you. However, anyone that really is technical and in this space will definitely know that Bitcoin is probably the worst way to collect a ransom. But I'm not prepared to go down that one right now. So, without saying anything, cash is by far the most likely area for fraud to be committed. But going back to this whole thing, trying to get mass adoption and people are calling for regulation, in theory, that is what they're trying to do. Well, mass adoption depends on ease of use. And there is a financial incentive to make things safer and easier to use. And that's where capitalism comes in. These different wallet providers, these different brokerages and so forth. They want to make this process so easy and so simple. It's just going to be like sending an email or a text message or anything of that nature. Cash apps, that is what they're heading to and it's because they have a financial motivation to do so. And it's not necessarily the regulation is forcing them to do so because right now the majority of people that are in this whole crypto space, NFT space are tech savvy. These are people that are willing to go out and research for themselves, watch YouTube videos, read books, articles, white papers, and so forth. So they're willing to deal with the fact that this stuff is not user-friendly. I've been in it for quite a while now, and I have a technical background, and still I will say this is not a user-friendly industry. Granted, in a year and a half, we'll be so far ahead of where we are right now because looking back as to how far we've gotten in a year, I mean, it is literally like light years, but I'm just saying... Compared to logging into social media such as you know Instagram or sending cash apps and PayPal and all that stuff, it is so much more complicated. So these companies that are building better versions of what we're doing today, they have a financial motivation to make the process better and safer. But with regulation and why this cry is being called out so loud, one of the reasons why I'm saying it's a catch-22 is because the The biggest benefit for regulation right now actually goes to the financial institutions. It doesn't necessarily go to the consumers, the quote unquote little guys that are being scammed out of their shirt and dinner, right? Regulation makes it favorable for big banks and big companies to either put their uh, pension funds in crypto or invest in Bitcoin, put that on the books, offer financial products to the general public, things like that. That's who regulation helps more so than the individual. Because truthfully, the reason why most people that are really heavily invested into, let's say, Bitcoin wants regulation to come is because they know that once the big banks are able to buy up billions and trillions of dollars worth of assets in crypto, it's going to push up the value. So if that person's already a whale, of course, they want the regulation to come in because it's going to drive up the price of everything as the demand soars. Rather than waiting for these companies to develop other things and to make the space more user-friendly and whatnot, it's just so much easier if the government signs some sort of bill or some sort of regulatory framework that allows the Bank of Americas and Citibanks and everything to just come in and sweep up all these assets and pump up the value literally overnight. But the last thing that I'll try to jump into and uh, really go back to the whole capitalism thing is, have you ever researched or heard who was the first millionaire in California? Well, in case you don't know, it was Samuel Brennan. He was a general store owner, I should say, back in the day. So once there was the California gold rush in the 1800s, a lot of people were coming over to strike it big, get rich quick, and find gold in the river. Well, rather than going out there and trying to find gold himself, he decided to buy out all the pickaxes, sifts, and all the tools that you need to go explore and find gold And once he had the whole supply in the area, well, then he was the only store that was able to provide to all of those people that were then trying to get rich and find this gold. So the first millionaire in California was a capitalistic person that was selling the tools and making it available to other people that wanted to go out and strike it rich. Now, how different would this be if that market was already ripe for the Walmarts and Amazons of the world to actually be there? Of course, I know back in the 1800s, there was no Walmart and Amazon. But what I'm saying is if the framework was already there for a big company to be there, rather than Samuel Brennan, this little guy with his general store. We would probably never know that he was the first millionaire in California. So going back to this whole thing, of course, regulation comes in. These big banks, these big financial institutions have the authority now to come in and buy up a lot of things. Well, they're the ones who are going to benefit from it more than the consumers. So in the case of, yes, why did I even bring up Samuel Brennan? That was a little guy, quote unquote, that was able to strike it big because he was there early and sold tools to those pioneers and i think there is a lot of opportunity for us here that are building and the researching and testing things out right now it's because we have the opportunity to be the samuel brennan we could be that first quote unquote, little guy into the space that has the ability to understand it, navigate what's going on here. And then once the rush starts to come in, just like that California gold rush, we have the ability to provide those tools and picks and everything for all of those people coming in before the Walmarts of the world, or in the cases that I was just saying, the financial institutions of the world, come in and flood this market and dominate everything. So that's why I think All of this regulation is a catch-22, and I am not really someone who wants it to come as quickly as a lot of people might think. Do I think that Web3 has a fraud problem? Honestly, no. I think it has an educational problem, and there is fraud everywhere. I mean, it has been going down since the 90s. There just happens to be different variations of it, but even truthfully, I did my research on that, too. I told you I love to nerd out and just research everything. That Nigerian prince scam is actually something that has been around way before the internet. Just over the years and the generations, it has morphed and the names of it has changed. So now, sure, maybe it's not a Nigerian prince that's sending you an email, but it's going to be somebody claiming to be someone suffering in Ukraine during this war and basically tells the same exact stories that Nigerian prince and gets their scam off. So... That is not a Web3 problem. That is a people problem. Education is key. And when I think of regulations, I think, well, how do we even regulate without giving up what makes Web3 great? Holding on to the freedom and decentralization. How is that possible? And honestly, I don't even know. Will there be regulations? I assume so eventually. But am I rushing to say, come regulate right now and that's what's going to make the space great? No, I am not. I'm not one of those people. But I would love to hear what your thoughts are, especially if you disagree with this and you think regulation will be the best thing that ever happened to this space. Feel free to reach out to me at Tropic Vibes on Twitter. Let me know. Rebut it. Always open for a discussion. Just love to hear different viewpoints. I don't take anything personal. You totally disagree and you don't think any of this is right. Let me know. But either way, I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later.